I don't use these lapel mics very often, so normally I have to. I was uh, at my former church, and my pastor let me stairs, because we had a staircase that goes up the side of the stage, it was a risen stage, and I had the lapel mic on just like this, and there's a railing that goes up the stairs, and I was walking up just as confident as I can be, and then it jerked off before I even got started. I was already in a hole, so I try to, whenever I get a chance to do this kind of stuff, I just am thankful for the opportunity. I thank James, I thank Lighthouse um, for allowing me to grow in this way, but in the end, it's all glory to God, and so I don't want to much time speaking about me, but I want to talk. So if y'all would, just like we do on a weekly basis, let us stand in reading a scripture this morning, and we'll be in John chapter 4, verse 7. And we are through going through verse 30, so it's a lot, so I apologize in advance. Um, so on the screen we may have it, it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as it did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have, a hus I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem this is the place of we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Just then the disciples came back and marveled, that he was talking with a woman, left her, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking to her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Then went out of the town and were coming, people were coming out of the town and were coming to him. So let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for another wonderful day, God. We just thank you so much for allowing us to be in this place this morning, Father. I pray, Lord, as we have the opportunity to hear your word, Lord, that it wouldn't be mine, but it would be yours and yours alone, that I would not take away or add to your scripture, Father. Lord, please forgive us for our sins, and thank you again for a beautiful day. It's your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so this morning, I just want to kind of start off by piggybacking off the alley-oop that James gave me last week. He talked about through verses 1 through 6, and I just want to, I'm probably going to miss it, but I'm going to try to get it in the back. Morning. So he talked last week about... 
something, and I want to kind of be a little interactive, so if you want to say something, please feel free. If I ask questions, you can answer them if you feel comfortable. But what were the two natures that James spoke about last week in, in our sermon? We had two. Anybody remember what we talked about? So Jesus was God and human. So I'm going to dwell on that just to begin. I'm not going to stay on it long because James spent an amazing unpacking that and how... So I don't... As we talk about that this morning, we see that in the very beginning of verse 7, he begins to talk to this Samaritan woman. And so in this moment, in this conversation, we see that God is innate see that Christ is also human. So in this conversation, we see both of these two, these two natures. We see the God nature of Christ, and we also see the human nature of Christ as we start this morning. I just want to read with you guys again verses 7 through 12, and we'll unpack that a little bit. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus had sent his disciples away. They were going to do business and they would come back later. But uh, while this is going on, it's just Jesus and this woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh, How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So one thing that James touched on last week a little bit was the fact that the Samaritans and the Jews did not necessarily like each other. They could do business together. They could buy and sell and trade from each other. But a lot of times when Jews would make the travel... Um, that path that we talked about last week, um, they a lot of times took an out-of-the-way path to get away from Samaria, so they didn't have to go straight through it. But Jesus went out of the way, as we talked about last week, go straight through. He didn't want to skip out on this opportunity, as we're going to see that he has an amazing opportunity, a woman who is lost. And so we're going to continue on here, and it says in verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So, it's here in the very beginning, before we even get into this conversation very deep, that Jesus, this Samaritan, for a drink of water. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is just as great as God the Father in heaven. Water. If He is God, you know, He could create water. He could turn, you know, we talked about how He turned water into wine. We talked about so many things He did. When He was in the desert being tempted by the devil, in Matthew chapter 4, we see that He had the power if He wanted to to turn the stones into bread, but He didn't do that. And we see throughout Scripture, through the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, we see that Jesus lives in his human nature as well as his God nature because there is a time and a place for all things that he says and does. So a lot of times when Jesus would teach parables, he would teach things in a simple way so people could understand, and he would talk about things in a human nature so people could grasp. But a lot of times because these things he talked about were so magnificent that even in common tongue people did not grasp what Jesus was saying because it was of God and it was much greater could grasp. So we're going to continue on, and there's three points I want to make this morning. So if you want to write these down, or if you really just want to look over the verses with me, that's fine. Whatever you feel called to do. 
But there's three main points that I want to make um, as we go forward. Uh, Point one is that God knows our needs for Him. He knows that we need salvation. He knows that we are thirsty. So I want to dwell here for a moment on the fact that Jesus asked for a drink. So He's in the middle of the day. We talked about James again. He unpacked some things about the background of this scripture. And in the sixth hour of the day, that would be noon. James, because 6 a.m. was the start of the day. I do remember. I do listen a little bit. So whenever we talk about the sixth hour of the day, it's, it's noon. I know a lot of times in the summer, whenever we go to cut grass or whenever we're outside working or whatever we're doing, it's usually really hot by noon. So Jesus being human in nature, as well as God, he asked for a drink because he was thirsty. But the Jesus asked for a drink was not because he was actually thirsty. What he We see that Jesus peaks. Following up by saying that. So I know as a. I had not read the Bible before, and I had been sitting outside in the hot sun, and I'm sweating, and I've been working, and I'm thirsty. If someone said to me, I'll give you living water, and you're never going to be thirsty again. I'd be like, sign me up. I don't know what the price for this living water is. I'm filling up my glass and have to go in so I can keep drinking and be hydrated because you have to probably go through three or four. Hot, you're going to get sweaty. And so you're losing hydration and you need to be filled back up because that's the way our body works. And so we look at this. We're going to keep going through verse 13. And the first point I wanted to make talking about that God knows our salvation. He knows that we are thirsty. We're going to pick up in verse 13 and talk about that a little bit. So it says in verse 13, if I find my place, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of the water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so we see here, Jesus steps back and he's He's telling this woman about this living water. And so... There's also other things that I'm sure James understands a little bit better than I do, talking about the reasoning why she might would go out to the well in the noon of the day instead of going when... Because this woman also, she'd been... that we're going to talk about. So she's the most highly looked at person in this town. So she's going out to the well when she wants to be alone. But digressing from that, we're going to keep going. So Jesus is talking about this living water, and in verse 15, we see that he's going to continue to talk to her about the importance of this. But one thing I want to dwell on before we continue further is the fact that why salvation is so important. Salvation is what we have to have. We have to have salvation. We have to have a relationship with Christ and a relationship with the Father to be saved. And if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. It talks about that in Scripture. And so Jesus was trying to tell this woman that she needed the water that wasn't going to run out. She needed salvation. But when he first talked to her about the water, she was still focused on H2O. She wanted some of that high-quality H2O. And so she was needing that. And so he piqued her interest. So as we talked about a while ago, And so in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
is talking to this woman because he's she thirsty physically, empty, needs to be saved. Because even though the same God of Jacob and the Jews, there were some. I was going to come need for a savior. And so we're going to continue on in verses uh, 14 and 15 forward. And the second point I want to make is Jesus alone is the way to salvation. Jesus And Jesus is going to explain this to this woman. You forward. It says in verse 15, the woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty." or have to come here to draw water again. So again, she's asking for physical water because she doesn't want to have to keep coming back to that well. That would be great if she could drink water once and never be thirsty again. And in verse 16 it says, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And I get you, you're a prophet, you know things from God. So you know this stuff about me. I've never met you before, but you know that I've had five husbands, and the one that I'm with is not my husband. So she starts to catch on a little bit that something's going on here besides talking about drinking water, but she hasn't quite figured it out yet. And then the woman said to him, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our, father worshiped on, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me that the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And before I continue moving on, because that will be some of this scripture is going to hit on my third point, but what I want to dwell on here for just a second is the fact that Jesus alone is that salvation. Jesus alone is this living water. And he says to her, back in verses 13 through 15, that if you would have asked me for this living water, I would give it to you. And so he's saying to her, listen, if you are thirsty, if you are in need of rest, if you are in need of something more than what you get on this day-to-day life, this physical, unending, always dry life, ask for this living water and I will give it to you. We look in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. I'll read it out loud so you don't have to flip there. But it says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now what this is referring to is back in the Old Testament, when living water was referred to in the Old Testament, cisterns of living water, this was referring to God. And so back in the Old Testament, this would be used a lot, this terminology would be used a lot in reference to God. And so what we see is Jesus is pulling a, some, some terminology, some scripture that was used back in the Old Testament to refer to God the Father. And that we need Him, we need this living water, we need His Spirit with us and guiding us in order for us to please Him. And so we know back in the Old Testament, they had kind of the same dilemma that this girl had. Because in the Old Testament, like we talked about, we did a Wednesday night study uh, and we talked about an overview on Leviticus 
and we talked about um, some of these processes and things of that nature. And so if we look back on that, we see that the sacrifices people would have to make, there would be sacrifices people would have to make to be forgiven of their sins, and there was a process they had to go through, and then for a period of time they were forgiven. It was washed away, but it wasn't permanent. So eventually they would have to come back and perform these rituals again, and they would continue having to come back and come back and come back and ask for forgiveness over and over. Now, we know that Jesus came for the sole purpose, the ultimate sacrifice, and that, that we would never have to do this again. So in the same way, we see the Samaritan woman, she's coming to this well every day. She's coming to the well. She's getting water. She's coming at noon. She doesn't want to be seen. She knows her past. She knows the way she's living is wrong to the community, and she knows she needs something else, but she doesn't know what that is. She doesn't understand who Jesus is. She's talked about, she's heard of this Messiah. She's heard, but she doesn't understand yet. And so Jesus is giving information. Jesus is talking to her about this living water. And in this verse in Jeremiah that we talk about, it talked about in away from the Father, and people were running to other types God was trying to provide, and they were left dry because they weren't turning to God for salvation. They weren't turning to God for what they needed. And in the same way, this woman at this living day to day on physical water that will run out. She will be dehydrated. She will need to be thirsty again eventually. So we see that, number one, God knows. We see that God is to in this scripture. And point three, if you want to write this down, is God is of the Spirit and true worship come. So we're going to continue reading here. So in verse 22, I'm going to pick back up here. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So Jesus is telling this woman, Listen, there's going to be a time coming. You keep arguing. The right place to worship. And where is it appropriate? And that's what the point I want to make here in just a moment. But God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming. So she refers that she knows knowledge of the Messiah, but she doesn't understand completely. He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So Jesus that I want to kind of dwell on, we wrap up here in a few moments, that Jesus talks about God being of the Spirit. So, if God is of the Spirit, what is that referring to? Because somebody tell me, what, when they think of something being of the Spirit, if God is of the Spirit, what in your mind does that mean to you? Somebody give me what they think that means. Yeah. So God is omnipresent. God is all around us, right? The wind blows and we don't feel the... We don't, we're not able to touch the wind. We're not able to grab the wind. But when the wind blows, we feel its presence and we know it's there, right? In the same way, God is of the Spirit. 
And He is always present. He is always watching. He's always listening. He's always there with us, even though we can't physically touch Him and we can't always audibly hear Him. But He is there. He is of the Spirit. And so we're going to talk about here for a moment. I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 that talk about spiritual worship and the coming of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about later. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues in the Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the reason why I want to refer to Acts is because this is when the Holy Spirit actually comes upon the disciples and they are able to, as God had intended them to, they were worshiping there where they were. They weren't in the temple. They were in an upper room hiding and, and, and meeting and they, the Spirit comes down and then they start speaking. And in that moment, people around them could feel something different. They could hear these disciples talking in languages that they understood when the disciples didn't speak their language. And this is something only the Spirit could do. We talk, we have this debate, you know, about tongues and things of that nature. But the thing you need to pull away from this is that the worship of the Spirit is true worship of God. When we come here on a Sunday morning and we worship God and we sing the songs we sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, or whatever we're singing, we're singing your love never fails and we're professing to God that we believe that He is sufficient for us and we believe that He is all we need. So when we do that, to truly worship Him in this place and not singing empty words, we have to be born again of the Spirit, right? We have to have the Spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit living within us, to truly worship God because anybody could walk in this building and not know God and see the words on the screen and start singing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and they might even get, you know, they might even get in with the tune a little bit and they might start shaking and stomping their feet or they might be singing, I'll fly away, or I saw the light, because we love those songs. They're really fun to sing, and they have a great meaning. But if this person comes into this church, into Lighthouse Community Church, and they start reading words off the screen, but they don't know who God is, they are not worshiping in spirit and in truth. They're singing words. Just like if you were to ride down the road singing Wagon Wheel, or any of your favorite country songs, or whatever, if you like Alan Jackson, or whatever you like, if you're singing those songs, you're not worshiping. You're enjoying music. So someone could come in here and enjoy music and not actually be worshiping God if they're not born again, if they don't have the Holy Spirit on their life. So this is what Jesus is telling this woman, that God is of the Spirit. And we as Christians, as we as believers, have to worship in spirit and in truth in order to truly worship the Father. And so he continues to say, and those who worship it must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming the one that they call the Christ, when He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. And so, I want to wrap up with this thought as we read the last few verses here. Jesus then, His disciples came back. They marveled that He was talking with a woman, but no one said, who do you seek? Or why were you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be Christ? Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to Him. So, the one thing I want to end on is this thought of... We've been talking about this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman this morning. and We've been talking about how He had something she needed. Something that she desired. Something she longed for. Something 
that she could not get without Christ. Because we all are thirsty. On a day-to-day basis, we are all thirsty. We all need water to drink. But when we are saved and we have salvation, we know that the Holy Spirit is in our life, we are never without what God is providing us. He always provides our needs. He's always there when we need Him. When we have a sickness in the family, when we lose a loved one, when we have a praise in the church, we can thank Him and we know that He is with us in all of those times. And when we come in this church building, this is a building. This isn't God's Spirit isn't the physical building, but God's Spirit is dwelling in each and every one of you. And when we worship, we worship inside this building as a family, as a group of believers. But the true worship happens in here. It doesn't happen because of the building, but it happens because of the people that are sitting in the building. And so what we want to see here is that the disciples walk back up. Jesus shows the disciples His nature when they come back and see the conversation and the meeting that's going on between Him and the Samaritan woman. They don't truly understand, but they don't ask because they see Jesus was filled with a purpose. Not only for this woman, but for the glory of the Father, most of all, and also for all of mankind. We see these disciples walk up, and because we talked about what we talked about in the beginning, the disciples know that the Jews and the Samaritans don't click very well. And so when they see Jesus talking to this woman, they know that Jesus is a Jew. He was born, and He was of Jewish descent. So he's talking to this woman who is a Samaritan. So not only is it a Samaritan and a Jew talking, but it's a man talking to a woman who happens to be Samaritan. So there's all sorts of rules being broken here. But Jesus is having this intentional conversation with this woman because he knows that she needs something. She know, he knows that all these people in this town, all these people that have do not have the living water need that living water. And so this conversation with the Samaritan woman wraps up. She leaves because she understands and she is saved and she wants to go tell everybody she knows about what Jesus has told her. Because this is information they need to know. They need to know about this living water because I don't ever want to be thirsty again and I don't think they ever want to be thirsty again either. So she goes off and the, Samaritan, uh, the disciples, they walk up and they're looking at Jesus and they're thinking it, but they're not saying it. They're saying, Jesus, why are you talking to the Samaritan woman? You don't need to be talking to her. She's not worth your time. We don't, deal, we don't do this with these people. We don't worship with these people. We don't talk about godly things with these people because they're not worthy of this conversation. But Jesus knew that she needed it because there's going to be time coming when we see the disciples would go after Jesus left and we see that Paul eventually after he's converted he would go and we would see that the Gentiles would also be, the gospel would come to them as well, not just the Jews but the Gentiles. And so this was what Jesus was doing. He was talking to this woman and giving her the knowledge she needed. He was telling her about the living water. He was telling her about salvation and how she could receive it. And that's what we all need in this room. If we're not already saved, the only way that we can have a relationship with God is through that living water, is through salvation and Jesus Christ and Him alone. And when we receive the Spirit through salvation and it rests on us, then can we truly worship. We can come in here and sing in high-pitched notes and, and blow it out until we're blue in the face, but if we don't have the Holy Spirit on us, we can never truly worship God the way we should. And we will never have a relationship with Him. We will never be able to spend eternity in heaven with Him without that relationship, without that Holy Spirit in our life. So as we end this morning, as Sarah comes back up, I just want to make the point that there are people in your life, in my life, that need the living water. We know family members, we know friends, we know co-workers that are not saved. And even if we want to push it under the rug and act like we don't because we're scared, there are people out there that we know and we care about that need this living water. So as we close this morning, let us not be afraid, myself included, let us not be afraid to take this message of this living water, take this message of Jesus to everybody that we know and meet.
So with that being said, let us pray. God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for another wonderful day. We thank you for letting us be in your presence this morning. As we close, Father, I pray, Lord, that you are all we need, and we would realize that, that the living water you provide will never allow us to be thirsty again because we will never need anything but you, Father. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for we fail you. And I pray as we have this time of response, if anybody needs to come down here and pray and get things right, Father, if they need to accept you for the first time, that they would not be afraid to come down here because we are all a family here at Lighthouse, Father. Um, Father, I pray, thank you for visitors, and I thank you for those that are always here on Sundays, Father. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for we fail you. In your name I pray.